Welcome to the World Beyond the Tale, the Page Day American Gods podcast. I'm your host, James, and today we're reading page 70. The door opened all the way. The man in the dusty bathrobe was short, with iron-gray hair and craggy features. He wore gray pinstripe pants, shiny from age, and slippers. He held an unfiltered cigarette with square-tipped fingers, sucking the tip while keeping it cupped in his fist, like a convict, thought Shadow, or a soldier. He extended his left hand to Wednesday. Welcome, then, Grimnir. They call me Wednesday these days, he said, shaking the old man's hand. A narrow smile, a flash of yellow teeth. Yes, he said, very funny. And this is? This is my associate, Shadow. Meet Mr. Chernobog. Well met, said Chernobog. He shook Shadow's left hand with his own. His hands were rough and calloused, and the tips of his fingers were as yellow as if they had been dipped in iodine. How do you do, Mr. Chernobog? I do old, my guts ache, and my back hurts, and I cough my chest apart every morning. Why you are standing at the door, asked a woman's voice. Shadow looked over Chernobog's shoulder, at the old woman standing behind him. She was smaller and frailer than her sister, but her hair was long and still golden. I am Zoria Utrinaya, she said. You must not stand there in the hall. You must come in. Go through to the sitting room, through there. I will bring you coffee. Go, go in, through there. Through the doorway into an apartment that smelled like overboiled cabbage and cat box and unfiltered foreign cigarettes, and they were ushered through a tiny hallway past several closed doors to the sitting room at the far end of the corridor, and were seated on a huge old horsehair sofa, disturbing an elderly gray cat in the process, who stretched, stood up, and walked stiffly to a distant part of the sofa where he lay down, warily stared at each of them in turn, then closed one eye and went back to sleep. Chernobog sat in an armchair across from them. Zoria Atrunyaya found an empty ashtray and placed it beside Chernobog. How you want your coffee, she asked her guests. Here we take it black as night, sweet as sin. And that's our page. So, after being initially suspicious, Chernobog invites Wednesday in, calling him Grimnir again. Wednesday suggests he has a new name now, and Chernobog thinks it's funny. It makes me wonder how long these two have been apart, and how long they worked together previously. Maybe they just traveled in some of the same circles, being old gods. But I feel like there's a story there that I would love to read. Shadow notes, Chernobog holds a cigarette like a convict, or perhaps a soldier. And there's very little known about Chernobog's mythological, mythological counterpart. So it seems like he could probably go either way. He's a god that's involved with violence. So he could be a war god, but there's so much speculation because so little has survived. As they stand there in the doorway talking, they're scolded and led inside by another new character, Zoria Utrenyaya. I'm going to mess up their names for this entire chapter, and for that I do apologize. Her sister, Virchenyaya, was the night sister. Utrenyaya was the morning sister, the patron saint of horses and known as a protector goddess in battle. They enter the living room, and the odors described are fairly familiar to me. Um, I feel like with my, my mother's parents, and to a lesser extent my father's parents, there were certain odors I would associate with their homes. And I don't feel like it's the same way with... with when I go to visit my mom, I don't smell the food that was cooking all day, or I don't smell the cat box, or things like that. It's It's... A modern idea to kind of cover up these odors. Boiled cabbage, though, was definitely a familiar odor that I learned to dislike around eight or nine, probably. And uh, they do mention the cat box, and we do meet our first official cat of the novel, 
Although I guess maybe the cat on the Vikings boat, the good luck cat, could also be the first cat. My note says this is the first official cat of the novel. I can't go against my notes. Neil does have a thing for cats in several stories. Most popularly, there is the Sandman issue 18, A Dream of a Thousand Cats. It's a wonderful story. You can also read it without having read any other Sandman. So if you haven't read Sandman up to this point, if you Google Dream of a Thousand Cats, I think there's at least one or maybe two Tumblr pages that have the entire story. Or you can go out to your local comic shop and buy a copy of the book, the individual book, or even the trade collection, volume three, I believe, but I didn't make that note here. It's a great story, a good way to dip your toe into the Sandman books. There's also a short story called The Price in his book, Spoke in Mirrors, Cat and Coraline, whose name, I'm, honestly, I don't recall, and I'm too lazy to Google right now. There's probably a few more than that that I've forgotten, but cats are cats are in a lot of places in Neil Gaiman books, and they show up a lot in this book as well, for reasons we'll discuss when we get to Cairo. The horsehair sofa is a hint to how old these people are and how long they and their things have been around. The research showed that they were more likely to use horsehair as a furniture stuffing through the early to maybe mid-20th century, but then synthetic hair or foam was used because it was easier to get and also cheaper to produce. It got me thinking about how they collected it, and I kind of wish I hadn't Googled that, but they would slaughter the horses, and it seems like not just for that, for the leather from the skin or sometimes the meat, depending on what country it was, and also for the hair. But I just, it's it's hard to imagine that much horse hair and how many horses that must have been. So I researched further because I hate myself, and there's an article published in 2008 that stated that Mongolia was producing 900 tons of horsehair a year. 18,000 pounds of horsehair. 8,100 kilos. All in one year. That's a lot of dead horses. Shit. The phrase, black as night, sweet as sin, seems proverbial, but I can't find a lot of references to it. I found, well, that's not true. I found a lot of references to Neil Gaiman writing it, but I can't find the proverbial source. Some essays attributed it to a French statesman, Charles Maurice de Talleyrand Perigord, but no primary source existed that I could find, and Wikipedia noted that he drank coffee. He did not drink coffee, rather. He only drank tea, so it would be an odd thing for him to say. I also found a few references to Turkish coffee being prepared um, black as night, sweet as sin, and strong as hell. So it could be a game in original, it could be proverbial, it could be Turkish. That's the closest thing I found, at least, but I couldn't find a whole lot of the exact quote, which made me very sad. You can get in touch with the podcast at theworldbeyondthetail at gmail.com or on Twitter at worldbeyondpod. Thank you to Julian Granganage for his version of St. James Infirmary Blues, which we use as our theme song. And thank you for listening. I'll be back tomorrow with another page, and remember, only the gods are real.